Hey, Shireen. Hey, Omar. I love you. Me too. <laughs> I'm so excited to be recording this episode. You know, it's been a bit of a family affair so far. Mm-hmm. I've uh, interviewed three of my best friends and uh, my sister and now my wife. Ooh. And this whole journey has been about me kind of finding my voice through these uh, episodes and you certainly helped me do that every day and inspired me so much to to believe in myself as a writer first and foremost but you also I really look up to you in terms of how you use your voice and I'm very excited for the audience to get a glimpse into uh, that and to be kind of uh, touched by you today so welcome to the Gumcast I'm so excited <laughs> so excited. I'm like, when is he going to ask me? <laughs> I know, it took me five episodes, uh-huh. but this is the most critical one. <laughs> oh, I feel really uh, honored and privileged and just to watch your journey, to be part of your journey is even more amazing. So being part of the podcast is, is just don't want to say amazing again, but <laughs> incredible. <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty sure that one day you're going to be a world-renowned uh, speaker. And I'm going to look back to this episode and be like, I interviewed her back in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah. Speaking of inshallah, yes. the topic today is religion. Mm-hmm. And I certainly had a troubled relationship with it so far. You seem to hold it with more grace. But how about we start off a little bit with your history. Uh, in, in my commentary on chapter five, you know, Muscat is being exposed in this part of the story to a lot of religion, a lot of being forced to pray. And then I, I use like the the thunder verses from the Quran to kind of like bring the readers into that experience of how I experienced religion being kind of thrusted upon me. Mm-hmm. And um, just to give the audience a little bit of context, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, first like your upbringing and then I'd love for you to share the story that you were telling me about your experience with, with being veiled and, and growing up in a Muslim society and, you know, take us, take us through your childhood really quickly and into that point where you decided, you know what, this is not for me. I'm out of alignment. I always start with, I am a daughter to a Finnish mother and an Egyptian father mm-hmm. because it, it has impacted my life in a huge way. I mean, I don't know anything else, but, uh, having parents that come from very different cultures and then also very different religions can be confusing for them as a couple and also for the children. (laughs) And not only that, my mom, I mean, she was raised evangelical Christian and my dad was raised Muslim. But then after she married my dad, I mean, seven years after they got married, she converted to Islam. And not because anyone forced her to, uh, but because she really felt like this was the right path. 
So growing up, it wasn't a, we weren't a super religious family. However, uh, the older I got, the more religious my mom got. Mm-hmm. And she's not religious in a pushy way. And and just so, for the also the people to understand. So my dad is Muslim, but not religious. So he didn't pray. We, we didn't really see him praying. He didn't go to the mosque. None of that stuff. My mom is the one actually that was or that is still the role model for us when it comes to being a devout Muslim. They say when you hit puberty, that's kind of when they amp it up religion wise. And then so I started, they started asking me why I don't pray or they started encouraging me first to pray. Mm -hmm. And then I did start praying a little bit, but then I would also resist it and be like, why are you telling me what to do? I don't want to pray this way. I mean, okay, everyone else is doing it, but I didn't understand it. So I don't think anyone really taught me the meaning behind prayer Hmm. the way I know it now it's like a conversation with God which is a beautiful thing and if someone just told me it's a conversation with God and you get to talk to the universe I'd be like wow that's awesome yeah that makes it sound so cool so cool where can I learn that I'll teach you I have a workshop (laughs) (laughs) you can join me I'll send you a link Um, shameless promotion (laughs) we'll we'll add the link to the to the description (laughs) To, to all my pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we, we'll, we'll definitely get into uh, how you view God right now, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting perception. But tell me a little bit more about that time. So you're, you're, you're saying, you know, after hitting puberty, people started telling you, yeah. you know, why are you praying? And there was a sort of like yeah, this And at family and at school, you know, there was mm-hmm. like, are you going to pray with us? Mm-hmm. There was always that group thing. Mm-hmm. Are you part of this group or are you not? Mm-hmm. If we're not part of this group, then we're not, we don't belong. And then so we feel bad. And that was the moment where I wish I knew about self-compassion, but I'll come back to that later and what self-compassion is and why I'm obsessed with it and how it factors in with religion. Because there's a lot of guilt in religion. You, if you don't pray, you're bad. If you don't do this, you're bad. If, if I don't fast, that I'm bad, that I'm not a good enough Muslim. So it's just another area of our lives where it's possible for us to feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> so at one point I did start getting religious and I got very interested and I went to religious lessons. I decided to please God and uh, get veiled. It lasted exactly nine months. <laughs> and let's say at the seventh month, mm-hmm. what really, what really, really got to me, not just the fact that, you know, I thought when I got veiled, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get hit on or harassed in the street because I was covered. And that's what I was supposed to do. If mm-hmm. I covered myself, guys wouldn't look at me. But that's complete bullshit. It didn't help with that. Of course not. Mm. And also I was like a kid. I was like 15, 16 years old. That was, a, that was gross on a different level. Mm. But the fact that I was completely covered mm. didn't make a difference. It's just proof to me that, you know what, the problem is not in what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. This is not the problem, obviously. I mean, but what really, really made me take it off was I was at a school party which you were probably at too, because that's where we, we met at school. Oh, I hope this story is not about me. It's not about you. <laughs> we were at a party, you know, and we were dancing. 
and I remember, and I was like so happy. I love dancing. I love just expressing myself. And someone said, hey, you shouldn't dance. Hmm. He said, excuse me, why? Because you are now a representation, a, rep- a representative of Islam when you put the veil on. And therefore you need to behave in a certain way. Hmm. And that was the moment I said, fuck this completely. Hmm. I will not be judged. I mean, we judge each other already, right? I am not going to give someone a- another reason to judge me. And then on super strict rules that I don't even know all of them. Like, no, it was too much. It was too, it was, I did not want to live. I'm like, I chose to put the veil on for one reason. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop everything in my life. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop dancing. That's, I don't think that was what God meant by Hmm. being veiled. But so I took it off. I took it off and I became some kind of like devil in the eyes of many people because yeah, now you're I was a very bad representation. You're an outsider I'm, in the group I'm now. Complete. And people say, oh, it's better not to ever put the veil on than put it on and take it off. Wow. And I'm like, that makes no sense either. I mean, like, what? I'm, I'm, so you're basically saying you are wrong for even trying. How dare you? I, I tried and I failed and I'm worse for it. Hmm. It's just, I just, I mean, and then of course, after that happened, I went the other way completely because I felt like I got kicked out mm-hmm. because I was shunned because I was bad. I tried to do something good. I didn't do it. People were taking bets when I was going to get it off. You know, the whole thing made me like it repelled me completely from all of it. Fast forward a few years, you've so you take off the veil while we're still in school, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go through college. I'm going to swallow swallow my pride here a little bit and ask you about your ex-husband. And because you're telling me it's it was it was a that was part of your dramatic shift mm-hmm. to the other side, right? And what what was that, you know, part of you uh, like? What was she trying to accomplish what was she interested in during that time what was she exploring so my ex-husband tom is atheist i believe he still is and somehow the idea of atheism to me i'm like wow really just science he's like yeah you know everything if it's not science if science doesn't say it happened then it didn't happen and i was like well okay that makes sense too Right. If, if, if I don't have proof that it's true, then why should I believe in it? And so I was very much like I was I was very OK with entertaining all ideas at that point, because, I mean, I didn't feel good in Islam. So let's let's see what else is out there. And I didn't really feel connected to Christianity. I didn't or I didn't have anything in that perspective. I knew all the religions have some kind of guilt in them. So atheism seemed like the best one. right? <laughs> no guilt, guilt free Guilt-free, belief-free, expectation-free. However, it's also soul-free. There's Mm -hmm. no soul. There's no spirit. There's no connection. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to connect with yourself if you don't believe that there's a spirit? Like, it's inside you. Like, God is within you. Mm. That's what I believe. So going from... uh, it's like such an extreme 
journey mm. when it comes to those things. And I tried holding on to my religion when I was in Holland and I, 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 I fasted the first month of Ramadan when I was there, second year, maybe half, third year stopped. You know, it, was, it wasn't night and day. Mm. But it was an exploration of what is God? Who is God? Realizing that I am very religious, actually, hmm. but not in what we have all agreed what religion is. Let's say we think when you hear religion, you think of like immediately Islam, Christianity, Judaism, maybe Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, like the big ones. Mm -hmm. But to me, a religion is kind of like. What do, what do I believe in? What do I hold true? What feels good? What feels right? What makes me cry from happiness? Hmm. What makes me so grateful? That's, that is what I found. I couldn't find that if someone was just telling me what to do all the time. How could I explore there was no space. You can't explore if there's no space to explore. So if you're just being given what to do and what to read and how to do it and stuff, well, that doesn't feel natural. Mm. I'm a bit of a rebel like you, Omar. <laughs> and that brings us to the current moment. Because <laughs> uh, you're arguably much more of a rebel than, than me. Um, because now just today, actually, you just decided to shave your hair and shave your head. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like so ballsy, you know, to, to do that. And, um, you know, yeah, we're, we're sitting here talking, you have your head shaved, I have long hair, the world is coming to an end. Like, what the fuck is going on? What do you think is going on in the world here? What do I think is going on? Wow, that's... that's well, something's happening, for sure. Hmm. What exactly? I mean, you'll get, an, you'll get a different answer from everyone. Yeah. But what I feel mm -hmm. is happening is that, I mean... Thanks to COVID and people having space again to think and to process emotions and to really feel what they're feeling, mm -hmm. right? Feel it and you can heal it. Mm -hmm. If you can feel, if you allow yourself to feel stuff, if you've given, if you have time to feel and you're not just running from one place to another and you're not on autopilot then you can start to get to know yourself. So I think everyone's getting to know themselves. And what is going to happen as a result of that, I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. However, self-understanding is such... I believe that's why we're here, right? I mean, it's another, it's another way of saying our healing journey. How to... Um, cleanse 
our souls and our spirit and our body and our life to to let things just come through us to feel to to listen to our intuition right so it's kind of like all the answers that we need are inside us hmm. um all the decisions were so are always so confused oh what decision should i make blah blah if you just stay quiet you know maybe for a few minutes every day you will get it hmm. the answer will come 100% there's no doubt in my mind that the answers are there you just need to give them an opportunity to come so right now a lot of people are going through this process and so through people understanding themselves better and being kinder to themselves giving themselves more time being more compassionate to themselves even though they might not call it that mm-hmm. but just the act of giving yourself some time is an act of self compassion the act of um telling yourself you're going to be okay is self compassion that's going to make the whole world better so we're incrementally all of us by being better people individually the whole world will be better as a result because it's like a ripple effect which is something that my mom told me and i remember a moment when i was a kid my mom telling me shreen your actions have consequences because i was the rebel child and mm-hmm. i kept doing stuff that i wasn't supposed to do and she said your actions have consequences and i refused that mm-hmm. i resisted that for so long and i said no if i do something it's no one's business mm-hmm. I was so wrong and she told me ages ago and now is now I finally understand what she meant. But now I'm doing it in the good way. <laughs> now I'm focused on how big ripples can I make mm-hmm. by being a light. How bright can I shine so that I can affect more people? So everyone is kind of lighting their own candle now. So the world is lighting up. that is so beautiful and well put and i relate to it so much because when i rebelled against religion i made religion kind of like the enemy and what i realized beneath it is that you know i i was my own enemy in a way religion had nothing to do with my suffering actually and i spent very similar years to the ones that you spent in Holland in San Francisco where also my being kind of steering away from religion was embraced for the first time in my life and what i realized then is that there is a lot of suffering underneath it i got rid of religion i got rid of uh living in my culture i got rid of a lot of the constraints and like we said there are a lot of benefits for that but i do relate to relate to what you're saying about the like there was part of my soul that was missing and so there was a void and that's when i realized there were so many things in religion that were good that i dismissed so community rituals wisdom mentors like all of these were things that i lost when i decided that you know i'm not a muslim and, and islam is bad so i i lost a lot of that so i think i think there is a lot of wisdom in the quran i think there is a lot of wisdom in the stories of prophets and stuff but we just take things too literally and that's what i was rebelling against i was in rebelling against 
the 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 good things in them. So the um, slowly kind of like filling that void mm. with things that are infinitely more meaningful than what was like handed to me in a in a box, like you said, and be like, here, here you go, little kiddo. This is how you live life, and here are your values, and here are your beliefs. And th- that's when I realized, you know, if I call myself an atheist, then I'm just like an extremist in terms of religion. And there was, the, like, there was like a gaping hole that I'm still trying to fill. And it's a big part of it was the things that I told myself. And it doesn't necessarily come from religion, but religion helped me stay into that like guilt or shame cycles, which I'm still trying to figure out. So I'm curious to know more about you know this this self compassion and now you're you're making it part of like your your ethos and your way of being but also you've you've studied it and now you're starting to teach it in workshops and certainly like teaching me every day but how do how do you how does one use self compassion to light up like you said I think the reason I was so attracted to self-compassion, other than the fact that you sent me the name Kristen Neff, and then I went on a wild goose chase and became obsessed with this woman, who is her, Kristen Neff, and Chris Germer are the main researchers on self-compassion and have been studying it for 20 years. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, please go to them. I'm, I'm still a newbie in comparison. But I do believe that I've practiced it innately for mm-hmm. so long. But I just never knew what it was. Mm. Um, but also the reason why I love it so much is because I'm really hard on myself. I can be really so hard on myself. Um, and the, the thing that self-compassion says, which struck me so much, is what do I need right now? Which is something I practiced on you yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when someone When you're feeling bad... Or when someone else is feeling bad, you ask them, "That's a th- what do you need right now? And it's not, oh, I need to change the world and I need to find my purpose. No, it's what do I need in this moment? Because it's not just self-compassion. Actually, the mega is mindfulness and self-compassion. Because in order to realize that you're being hard on yourself, you have to be mindful of it. Not that you're stuck in the loop of self-degradation and that happens too when we're stuck in this loop of bashing ourselves right so just to bring things uh, closer to someone who hasn't heard of the concept before with yesterday's example like I was feeling particularly bad I was having a rough day with like work and when you asked me what is it that you need right now I I think I said like I need to figure out a way to make money or uh, something about my career and sounds very ridiculous now but then <laughs> your question was like no like do you, do you need food <laughs> I was like what are you talking you, about you need to go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> you have to pee are you uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> and at first I was so annoyed at this question but then I re- <laughs> <laughs> norm (laughs) (laughs) it's like no i'm trying to figure out my life here (laughs) but then there was something uh very uh, grounding as you put it in when i actually had some food and you know it's 
sat and meditated for a bit and today I don't feel as bad even though I haven't figured out my career so there's that that was the the power and and I just wanted to make sure that you know people kind of understand the, the micro level that mm-hmm. self-compassion is like what is it that I need now and then even even if you're you know busy with work like the simply like you know i'm thirsty so i need to 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 drink is like an act of self compassion mm-hmm. but also i'm doing the best i can is an act of self compassion right when faced with feelings of inferiority or feelings of insecurity mm-hmm. so it's something we can do like every day on that micro yeah, level it's right? a practice it's mm-hmm. something that you're you're going to be practicing for the rest of your life but we're so it's it's what they call it they say we're reparenting ourselves mm. because we're very used to using shame to motivate we think when we shame ourselves when we tell ourselves that we've done a bad job that we're going to do a better job the next day mm. but that's just not true the research shows that actually being more being self-compassionate practicing self-compassion so uh, when you're feeling bad you actually you know you can put a hand on your heart and tell yourself you know what I'm doing the best I can. Just offering yourself some loving kindness. Mm. Um that will make you more motivated. That will make you more resilient. Uh it self-compassion the research shows that it reduces anxiety, that it reduces depression, that um it helps uh, soldiers with PTSD. It's like the it's like a magical practice. It costs nothing. uh it's up to you and it literally is just you being a little tender with yourself there's also fear self compassion so there's tender self compassion and fear self compassion i know it's a lot but i'll just explain it because it's like a yin and yang thing you know when you first told me about that fear self compassion it made a lot of sense to me so yeah, i think it's really important because uh already from the sound of it like especially as a guy t- tender self compassion i'm like eh. but fierce of compassion yeah it sounds like something cool, i want right? yeah <laughs> something i want in my repertoire of self compassion masculine powers <laughs> this is masculine self compassion <laughs> i don't like that feminine self compassion <clears throat> really toughly tender Anyways, i think that was enough to edit that out but fierce self compassion if you imagine like a a, a mama bear uh-huh uh so she's tender you know she she uh you know will hug the bears will clean the bears will make mm. sure uh that you know they're taken care of but then she'll also fight off any incoming predators make sure she has water for them and literally just go crazy on anything that's going to come close to her cubs mm. that is fierce self compassion or fierce compassion generally i mean that's kind of the idea that there's like the tender caring for compassion and then there's the i have boundaries mm. compassion and that's mm. a big thing i think that's the most relatable thing actually that setting clear boundaries is a major act of self compassion mm. and yeah love self compassion is like loving yourself and the more self compassionate you are the more compassion you can offer to everyone else so yeah. it's like a cycle of goodness and that will also light up the world. I want to spend some time talking and exploring your latest project which is Healers and Guides which is an awesome website that I urge everyone to visit. 
and it essentially brings all these like healing modalities um, and, and makes them accessible online via website, which at least in Egypt wasn't uh, available before. But I, I'm I'm more curious on like the about the guides guides part too. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to call it that way? And and uh, you know tell us a little bit about why this project is so important to you. Well, darling, it was two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up feeling terrible and not knowing what to do, and I felt I don't know what the hell is going on, and there's and I don't know who to call. And I need someone to guide me through a dark place, essentially. Hmm. And I'm like, come on, people have been doing this for thousands of years. <laughs> Why do I have to do this alone? <laughs> we are strong enough to do everything alone, but we don't have to. Hmm. This, is, this is the funny part, right? And we think we're all alone and I'm, I have to go through everything by myself and suffer in silence and all of this. You, we don't have to. There are so many healing modalities and and ways that we can um let's say get through things like uh, theta healing and sound healing and akashic records and access bars and i know all of these things sound very strange but let's say there's also art therapy and drama therapy and dance therapy and these things help you express so that the pain that's stuck inside because you sometimes you know you, when we feel like we're stuck emotionally they help get that thing moving it's like stuck energy in your body and you're in, and, and we need to move it so going back to that idea that the problem isn't in religion the problem is with how humans interpret it and how humans create like some certain like ideology and then it's it's forced into others one thing I think about a lot is like, okay, after this transcendence, after we realize, oh, we've, we've been like doing everything in reverse and here are these like ancient things or here are like all these like also new ways to do things. How do we stop yoga, meditation, psychedelics, holotropic breathing, whatever it is that we know is beneficial now? to play the same impact that religion has played, you know, like, and, and stop it from becoming again a dogma because even in, you know, like the, the psychedelic plant ayahuasca, which gives a lot of people like this, like crazy awakening experiences that they say is like equal to years of therapy. And certainly in, in experiencing that myself, I felt that, uh, and allowed me to have a lot of things, but then also there, then you see like the church of ayahuasca. And, you know, you see like the shaman becoming again a religious figure that, mm-hmm. that it's, it, it, it's like this, you know, flirting with the idea of power around the thing that is supposed to be healing. And, um, Alan Watts, one of my favorite philosophers, even though he's, he can be a very controversial character, but he talks about how also like people use LSD or yoga or some or something as a as a clutch at the end of the day and it and it's like you become dependent on it, you know, versus it being just a portal mm-hmm. that brings you into a new world mm-hmm. and but then you gotta keep experiencing and exploring rather than being oh like yoga was the answer and therefore everyone should do yoga you know that's the thing I mean people I mean why do we have to just go why why is it I mean extreme it's like we're all 
bipolar yeah. or something. It's like, it's <laughs> not necessary. Yeah. Um, it's really unnecessary. I mean, it's a toolbox. Mm-hmm. We are building a toolbox. Yoga I love is that. a tool. Meditation is a tool. Self-compassion mm-hmm. is a tool. Eating chocolate when you want is a tool. Okay? <laughs> uh, swimming is a tool. Mm-hmm. Grounding is a tool. For God's sake, can you just make a toolbox that works for you and choose the one that works on in the moment that you need it. Like, sometimes I want to dance because I just... You know, like I I just need to get like I have the heebie-jeebies, you know, and I need to like just get it out. Sometimes, you know, I need to do yoga and it's Mm. about listening. Mm. It's about listening, asking yourself, what do I need right now? Mm. We go round and round and come back to Mm. self-compassion. What do I need right now? When someone is crying in front of you, what do you ask them? Are you okay? What do you need right now? All we have to do is do that for ourselves. Treat ourselves the way we would a dear friend. Basic self-compassion. So now to bring everything back into where we started. After this journey of you going from this veiled girl that's trying to be a good portrayal of her religion, or at least the religion of her parents, to steering away from that and, and kind of being uh, going as further away uh, as you can from that veiled girl to then realizing that, okay, no, there's like, there's, I'm still not in alignment. Like, I'm, no, I'm not an atheist. I'm not, I, I do believe in like, uh, a higher existence that we're all connected and that so and 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 going through this journey of self-compassion where you i think it comes naturally to you but not so naturally to others but you've used it as part of your toolbox like you said to find what is meaningful at the end of the day and and now you i'm assuming you feel much more aligned with who you are and how you carry yourself than you did like 10 20 years ago oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah. So tell us a little bit about that world right now and your kind of you know world view, um, at least for yourself, because that's what we're saying. Like for Shireen Othei, what is what is experiencing God right now? Mm. I mean, psychedelics offer a lot, and that's a tool for me. Psychedelics are a tool mm-hmm. for sure. They used to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't take anything without having an insane, um, for me, religious experience. Mm. I so I just actually did <laughs> took a solo trip a couple of days ago, and I take it very seriously, very very seriously. And I have I do an intention, I make some tea, you know, mm-hmm. and I I start the trip. And the first thing I always see, or the first thing I feel like God shows me is all the magic of the universe. I get to see um, the sacred geometry of the universe and the flower of life and the mesh and the, the quilt that the universe is made up of. And the magic is that I see the connection between everything, including humans. So I can see the 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 pattern or what is it called the metatron or something like that is basically the the founding uh, geometry of where everything else is created 
And I see that on the walls, on people, on the floor, and we're all connected by this incredible web. And I believe that my mission is to communicate that because not everyone is going to do that. Not everyone's going to take psychedelics and see these things. Um, it's funny, I'm wearing a t-shirt with, with yeah. the actual thing that I see uh, every time I go. And I'm in, in, in that, and I see this, I see these beautiful things and I am crying and crying and crying because it is so beautiful. And, and it's like, I'm seeing God. And usually all you, all you can say during the, these experiences is, oh my God. Oh my God. That is ex exactly. As soon as that happens, all I'm saying is, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. How beautiful and thank you thank you thank you thank yeah. you that's how we need to start our day we start the day with thank you thank heavens half a gram of mushrooms no no, <laughs> no that would be exhausting but to start your day with gratitude mm -hmm. again research shows if you don't believe me just go read some journal articles about gratitude but mm. i wake up now and i say thank you And I drink water. I say thank you and I drink water. And then I thank God for the water that I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, you don't have to like get down on your knees and pray for three hours. I mean, meditation is great because that's the stillness that we're talking about. Right. So to start your day with that stillness is incredible. But so now my mission is to speak and to communicate and to express the connection I see and to guide people on their journeys of self-compassion so that they may have a new tool in their toolbox. Um, I'm just thinking about Muscat and him being a small boy and with all this stuff being pushed upon him. What is it about something being given to you, especially in love from your parents? I mean, you know your parents love you and they're trying to Um, guide you with religion and what is it what is it in you or let's say in Muscat that is so resistant to it what is what is it the core what is at the core of it all the advice so up to this point in the story Muscat still doesn't really have an opinion and I do that on purpose because he's I just want the reader to connect with like how when we're young we're so exposed to so many ideologies and and we try to connect to them to, f to figure out okay which one aligns with my values but we take a lot of it as truth and as like okay this is how the world works and so this chapter specifically is a is a transition chapter it's a really important one because it takes us from okay like here are all the truths to To in the next chapter, Muscat having to make some of his own decisions because he just loses control and he's like he feels like so subjugated by not just his parents anymore, but it's also by bullies at school and stuff. So he needs to stand up for himself, and part of it is like finding his own voice, mm -hmm. and that's why with religion, it I try to like create a stark contrast contrast between. Muscat and his dad and in, in this chapter five it's also I, I use the sun as a metaphor here uh, to continue the metaphor of religion just to make it like super clear what's going on that his his dad sees the sun as like a 
a something that is consistent and reliable and that's going to rise every day and and therefore like he looks up at the sun as like this major symbol around consistency and religion to him is the same way like it makes you dependable it makes you like you know stick to the path and so you become like a good man but Muska doesn't really relate to that because he's looking for something else and he looks at the sun in a different way that the sun rises from the dark every night and r- creates a hope for a new day and hope for a new way of living actually and so the sun is like this metaphor just like religion where his dad sees it one way but Muska sees some value in it but like in a totally different way and the reason why I wanted to like have him uh, get away from religion is is very similar to my own life where I felt like I needed to rebel against religion. Religion was the one thing that was in my focus because my head was full of it and I, it felt like something really important that everyone was telling me was so important. But it it wasn't what I was rebelling against. I was rebelling against having to, you know, make my own time, spend time on the things that I like, creating my own values, exploring things beyond one book and and that's just that that has that will become mascot's journey throughout the story with uh, with religion and it we will soon see like in the next parts that it's going to have still have a huge impact on him regardless of where he um regardless of his position around religion and so it it's like like you like you know coming back towards the end of like okay i had to you know like it's like something you told me before like you know he he has to hate it in order to be able to love it mm-hmm. and and he's not going to love it the same way his his dad loves it he's going to love it in a, in his own unique way and that's the journey you know that's the story and it's going to unfold in many different ways uh, but at the end of this part you know they the, the the whole family is going to go through a, a transformation and that's going to allow Muscat to explore realms beyond what he was exposed to. But that specific exposure to religion that way and his like feeling feelings about religion, that it's like something that is confining or constricting is is just a key part of his journey and, and, and was of mine too. So it was... It was really easy to 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 write it, <laughs> and the next few chapters are also based on like my own um, stories. Not doesn't have to do with religion, but religion and, and masculinity and all these ideals that somehow like have to be rejected in order for us to create space and and start feeling what they are. It's just like having a full time job, and you so you can't figure out what you want to do with your life, and you're like, I have no time to figure out what I want to do because I'm going nine to five every day and I come back and I'm exhausted and I have to watch TV and, and sleep because that's all I have energy for left. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need to be like, you know what, fuck this, I quit. And then start seeing what comes back into your life. And that's the, so that's the journey with religion. And it was with mine too, like mm-hmm. creating that space and it has to come out of rejecting it and then coming back into, okay, what do I believe in? Who am I to begin with?
I can't wait. I can't wait to read the whole book. I can't wait to read the next part. I'm done with part one. It's such a cliffhanger. Thank you. I think I'm you're so officially the first person to have finished part one. I mean, I kind of have to write your wife. <laughs> Don't tell them that. Just tell them how brilliant the writing <laughs> is. It's because of the writing. <laughs> Obviously. But I'm so happy. So happy to read every word you write. I'm so happy the world gets to read the things you write. You are a writer. You are the most beautiful writer. And... Um, I can't wait to, to see it published. I can't wait to read all the books you're going to write. Thank you for being the best partner a woman could ask for and for hosting me on your show. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for allowing me to have a future celebrity join me and for continuing to inspire me every day and uh, allow me to write and, and share this with the audience and um, allowing me to always you know be open to seeing things uh, a little differently and for the magic that ensues <laughs> from that so um, thanks for your time mm-hmm.